the way people look at Mexicans doing hip hop is the way that Mexicans look at people calling Taco Bell authentic Mexican. Fortunate to be on Earth at what I believe is like the Renaissance, the ability to sort of create our own destiny. The Renaissance Podcast. Welcome back, guys, to the Renaissance Podcast. You already know who it is. It's your boy, Caesar. Your boy, Alex. And my name's Alan Shiner. Guys, thank you so much for tuning in. We got a special guest. Smooth Vega, man. Smooth, Smooth Vega. The one and only. Viggity, viggity Vega, man. No, yeah, it's the second time meeting you, man. Uh, we met you at our truth event. All right, shout out to Up to Something Media. Yeah, our shout truth. out to Something, man. Uh, Ron Killings, man. We did an event with him during WrestleMania week. Yeah, man. and hopefully he, he heals up. He, um... Yeah, he's hurt, man. He he uh, he hurt his knee, so he just he's recovering right now. But good dude, right there. Thanks, no, man. We honestly, honestly, we wanted to bring you just be uh, for the not for the sole reason, but you know, wanted to pick your mind because obviously you're you're Hispanic, man. So and uh, being a mogul over here in the DFW area, you know, it's rare. Obviously, we are starting a podcast here as Hispanics uh, for Hispanic podcasts. You know, you don't really see that. Um, Right now, going viral, you know, any Hispanic nah, man. podcast. Very few, man. Actually, yeah. I was, I, you know, I know that there's a podcast in LA, the the Brown Bag Podcast. Yeah, Brown yeah, Bag yeah. Podcast. Shout out to them. Shout you know what I'm saying? They're doing their thing. Uh, there's a handful of other people that are that are starting to grow, but you're starting to see, you're starting to see it, but it's not enough. You're right. Mm -hmm. It's and, not enough. Yeah, it's certainly not like well produced podcasts because I think that's one thing mm. that I, I noticed about you guys' podcast. Like, soon as like. You know, I saw the Juan Velasquez clip. I saw the Alex Rincon clip. And I was like, yo, this is something I would yeah. love to do because it looks great. It's well you, produced. But you want to know the secret, though? You. You get, nah. <laughs> that, for sure, because ain't no one going to have another <laughs> Alex Shiner. Hey, you right about that. But you know what, though? It's the quality of the guest. Don't guess him up more than he already guessed. <laughs> Don't guess me up. It just went like this. Don't Ooh. guess me up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't guess He's me up. He wait. No, yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. You're I'll right. take that. But you, not for real. At the end of the day, we get some good guests, but man, they deserve so much more. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. and then this person knows this person. I bet you, I know five people that know you already. You know what I mean? So exactly. We're so interconnected here in Dallas that we don't even realize it. And that's the beautiful thing about hearing the Renaissance podcast where so many folks can come in and they already know you. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think that's true. And I think also like, you know, these podcasts, you know, are, are so important, at least the ones that are well-produced. I always exactly. like, to, I like yeah. to give the disclaimer, right? <laughs> uh, because it gives the the creatives an opportunity to tell their story. Facts. And there's a lot of people that have stories to tell. I'm sure you guys have, you know, already experienced that. And, yep. you know, you learn and you're like, wow, I had no idea. So through through this, hopefully we're, we're, we're able to tell some of my stories as well, you know? You deserve it. And were you born and raised in, in, in Fort Worth? Yeah, man. Funky too. Funky Town hoodie. I was like, I'm going to Dallas. You know what I'm saying? Hey, I saw that uh, tornado in the morning, bro. I was woken up bro, to yeah, uh, hail and shit. We were know. just talking about this. Yeah. You slept through the whole thing, right? What? Uh, no, I woke up. Oh, I, like, I woke up as soon as I woke up. They're like, there's a tornado warning. I'm like, a tornado warning? They're like, or a watch. They're like, no, a warning. Like, <laughs> yeah, actual warning. Yeah, man, because I, I was like that too. I was like, wait, is it an actual warning or are they just fucking around with us like every other year you know you know yeah. you live in yeah. Texas when it's December it's about to be Christmas and there's also a tornado it's no, <laughs> the first time isn't it isn't the, it's the first time in Texas bro, around that is where it's been like around don't get me started with Texas weather bro that is no, just but around Christmas, I, I always remember being around February and stuff February yeah oh, one sure. month February, away you know? 
But I usually, it's, I've never seen it in December. Like and I definitely have never seen it like first thing in the morning. It's yeah. global warming. Yeah, like, it's usually like in the afternoon or the evening. Oh, for like, real ride. It was yeah. like, yo, it was like seven in the morning, like tornado. Early as like, fuck. Exactly. No, you're right, bro. That about that. It was, I didn't take it too serious. But then once I saw the videos on social media, I think like Grapevine got hit. Exactly. Like, yeah, yeah these are Sam's. Uh, the Sam's Club or whatever. And, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. The roof is off. Dang. Okay, I saw some, some guy like the trampoline was... Oh, yeah. going away and he's like oh no and then because the winds were so heavy and stuff but I, was like, I think it was a Dallas TV but yeah, they yeah, yeah, edited and, and then he was flying away too yeah. bro I love those now edits we, from we, Dallas we, TV we should have got like a, a graphic of the tornado and put like California could never for <laughs> <laughs> real hey man one time I remember this vividly because it, had, it was the craziest day of my life I uh, usually after school if I would miss a bus I would have to walk home yeah. and I remember getting out of school and it started hailing and then I don't know where it started raining, and then the sun came out, and then I know where it started hailing again. For sure. And I'm like, bro, what the fuck? I was like, dude, I, I, I had to get under a yeah. house every single time that shit happened. Hey, I'm like, bro, I'm that's a... Texas weather at its finest. And this was within a span of one hour, bro. I believe so I like, it. I believe it. I'm going to get it started real quick because I'm, I'm really interested. For someone that I, I enjoy live music so much, live venues, they're yeah. the greatest thing on earth. You being a promoter, tell me the ones that were the best. And then which one was just like the worst, man, that you hate? You know, for so long, I hated the word promoter. You know, I used to like go, man, that word just makes me want to take a bath. <laughs> what would you define yourself as then? But it is, I am a promoter. I mean, I mean, now more as a music executive. Oh. But, you know, that's like a proper term for like, you know, everything I do because I can I kind of consider myself. Damn. Like, you went like, corporate, Vega. Yeah, I sold out, right? <laughs> sold out. Like, you know, I, I consider myself like a Swiss army knife. Like I do a lot mm. of things. But in regards to live events, like, you know, to your point, like I love doing live events and I've had the opportunity to work with so many artists. Talent, man. So many artists. And I've booked so many national recording acts. Exactly. Seen them grow over the years. But to answer the question the best, I have a soft spot for Joyner Lucas because I, um, I was there from, from the beginning yeah. of his career. So, you know, being able to book him early on and work with Joyner, that's just something that I'm always going to hold near and dear to my heart. Um, obviously, Royce the 5'9", Joe Budden, those are guys that like, for for different reasons mean a lot to me. And then Nipsey Hustle. I think Nipsey Hustle Damn. being able to do his tour, the Victory Lap tour, like um that was really, really cool because you know I didn't get the opportunity to work with like a Tupac or a Biggie and I really hold Nipsey in that That's high regard. Thing, yeah. You know what I'm saying? You never so, knew that that was gonna be such a that level of magnitude. No, man. I didn't and I think the last show I think would be genuine. I know that that sounds kind of crazy, right? But like Growing up, he was my favorite R&B artist. I'm 37 mm. years old. So to be able to work with him was kind of like a, like a dream come true, yeah, right? True, yeah. Like, man, I really grew up listening to you. But, you know, I'll say that, like, just being a Mexican-American, being able to be in that world, it's like you talk about the podcast world. It's even rarer <laughs> in that world. Like, <laughs> At that Mexican, Mexican-American. Yeah, there's, like, no minorities whatsoever. For real, man. Any of the, like, live venues. Like, there's no, like... Like there is, but like they're not like the general managers. They're not the decision makers. Mm. And I'm the, about to go Kanye on me, bro. <laughs> <laughs> we can't say the word, right? Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, you're right. And then, and, then, and then we go a step further with the agencies. It's like really, yeah. really complicated. But um, in terms of the worst, Dang, what is the worst? Expose them, trash, to the horrible. Why did I work with you, <laughs> man? That's that's a pretty easy one to yeah. answer, right? There's two. Uh, the first one would be Joel Santana. Uh, by far Oof. the worst person that I've ever had the opportunity to work with. 
and before you ask me why, I'll give you the answer why. Mm-hmm. Uh, just didn't seem to want to be there. Mm-hmm. You know, one of those artists that wanted to do the bare minimum. And I'm real big. Like, if I book you, I'm not expecting you to go over and beyond. But I want you to do your job to the best of your capabilities. I yeah. didn't feel like that was the case at all with him. Yeah. Not much uh, to say in that one. It's pretty straightforward. Yeah, just a bad attitude. Yeah. A bad attitude and an entitlement, right? Mm. Uh, and, I, I, you know, let me go a little bit further. He, he was scheduled to do a meet and greet at the end of the night after the show. Mm-hmm. And he had a real, like, I don't want to fucking do it attitude. So he was just trying to, like, get out of there. And that, to me, is where I took it personal. Because now those are my customers that you're, mm-hmm. that pay top dollar work to yeah. ass off that are excited to meet you. And you're just like, I don't care. <laughs> you know mm-hmm. what I mean? And he's getting compensated for it, may I add. Yeah. And then the other one was... Uh, Dang, there's two. Oh, crap. <laughs> the other one was the rapper of the game, the West Coast rapper of the game. No way. Oh, yeah. now, the the game, best storyteller. <laughs> yeah, now the game, I will say this. It wasn't because of him. So mm. I can't really say it's because of him. It's because of his manager. His manager is Wack 100. And <laughs> oh, Wack 100, like, Whack. he was like... Yeah, I ever see that uh, special that Cat uh, Williams, like, I'm at at breakfast. You ever I'm seen mad that? at breakfast. You like you know so the, the gangster people that are like super gangster that they're mad at breakfast, right? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He's one of those guys that's like mad at breakfast. Like yo, why are you mad at? Like you were just mad. He was just mad and angry and just wanted to be aggressive. And so he tried to fight me behind the scenes. Jesus Christ! Yeah, yeah he's like hey, he's not gonna go on stage. There's like a backstory to it, but yeah, that experience was probably. At the time, something I needed to go through, mm. but it was definitely. Uh, it was it like, like your younger days as a uh, 2016. It was probably the 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 early inception of my company, okay. and I think he probably realized it. But it just it was unnecessary. I get you. It was unnecessary. He was like wanting to be hella aggressive and like, hey, dude, come on, man. There's fucking fifteen hundred people inside the building that are ready to watch and perform. Why are we why are we having this conversation? But yeah. I'll never forget the disrespect and you know it was it was probably the the lowest I've ever felt in regards to being not just a promoter but really a man. Like this guy really, really like fucking because you know I had to bite the bullet. Like if I engage in a in an argument with this guy, the show you doesn't happen. Loose, yeah. And you know I have to refund people their money, so I had to take it. On Man, the Vega, that's that's rare. Being the bigger person, it's rare because I, sometimes, yeah, you, you say to yourself, they're gonna say, "Ah, oh, he didn't find me. He's a pussy." Yeah, well, no, what? there's no. definitely there's definitely some rumors that circulated after that exactly. that I was scared and that I was shook. Nah, uh, I was more like I was more offended by the idea that I couldn't do what I wanted to do, even if I would have lost. I would have been like, it would have been worth it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you see, th- those people, like, fuck it, let's go. <laughs> they don't see the big picture, bro. I, yeah, yeah, you yeah. see the big picture. You don't even gotta see it from you know a mile away. You can see it from five hundred miles mm-hmm. away, and it's unfortunate, but that's how life is. If you take care of yourself, things are gonna you know come and follow. But you know what? To be honest with you, like we're overlooking the one thing that is the most important thing in any field, which is professionalism. Professional, mm-hmm. yeah. These guys, in my opinion, you know, at the time, the manager of the game, in my opinion, wasn't professional. We grow. Joel Santana, Joel Santana, at the time, I mean, that was prior to him going to prison, wasn't professional. So I've had, like, over the years now, like, now that, you know, obviously I'm more established as a buyer and as a promoter, I've had people come up to me like, hey, you know, like, you know, I got some tours that, I, you know, would you be interested in buying? I'm like, who? They're like, Joel Santana. I'm like, nope. <laughs> <laughs> see, <Lesson learned. laughs> but see, but think about that. Like, had he done right by me in 2016? More. Yeah. Easy. We might have been still working in 2022. Yeah. So you got to be careful of what, yeah. you know, bridges you burn because you never know when you're going to cross them again. 
Damn. Do you think it's been uh, double hard or harder for you, especially being Hispanic and going, like trying to build your your company up and during like through the music industry? Uh, yeah, absolutely. You know what I mean? I think that you kind of, it's weird, right? Because like we're the majority minority, right? Yeah. And we also experience a lot of the hardships that other minorities face, except people don't realize it. Like, you know, growing up, I'm Mexican, American, first generation, may I add. Nice. My, my dad was born in Mexico. My mom was born in Mexico. But the things that we don't talk about and that we don't document, you know what I'm saying? Because we just, I don't know if it's because we don't complain, but like, you <laughs> yeah, know. I think like, that, that might play that, a factor. Yeah, I was about that, to know, say that's that, a big factor, especially Hispanics are raised to not complain, to just Yeah, work. like we're, we're just like, yeah, like we just got to work through it, right? But like yeah. I've, I've witnessed you know, I remember being about five or six years old and seeing. You still remember that? God damn, bro. Yeah, what dude. you? Well, because there's certain things that get engraved <laughs> yeah, you in your just memory. Don't forget, yeah. you stick. Yeah. I remember I was with my my dad and his friends, and we were in his pickup truck, and there was some some white guys that were driving by. I'm like, you fucking wetbacks, 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 wetbacks. And experiencing that and understanding, like, you know, we experience our own form of racism, right? I think for me, like going into the spaces, like especially like being a talent buyer and, you know, attempting to buy shows, like it's a white world. Like I don't mean any any yeah. offense by that. It's just the reality of it, right? Yeah. The white privilege is very real. And until you start really kind of going into those spaces where now you are buying against some of those people. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Ooh, damn. It, it Let's gets, go. It, it gets a little bit weird. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Because I mentioned it, like, you know, going across the country, and I've been here in California, New York. I've been everywhere. There's not really a lot of Latin representation in some of these buildings, and, and definitely not in some of these music venues with no general managers. So how did you fight that? And how did you just sliver your way into such a wide business? <laughs> so white white business, industry, really? Well, I mean, in terms of the decision makers, right? Because... The culture is ran by minorities, right? Yeah, the we, culture we, is Damn, yeah, say that again, bro. For you know? real. But in terms of that, like you would say, just kind of learning the, ling the lingo and understanding like, you know, like one thing that I've always been really good at doing is studying. You know, like I grew up watching a lot of documentaries. The uh, History Channel. <laughs> well, my History Channel is yeah. VH1, Behind the Music and shit, right? <laughs> yeah. Or like, you know, even like documentaries in general, like and hearing certain verbiage mm -hmm. that people would use and realizing like, okay, this is, this is how to like navigate. This is what makes them respond and how they respond. And even, you know, as of recent, I, you know, being in Deep Ellum, I'm one of the few promoters that has access to, or at least one of the few independent promoters that has access to certain rooms and that's allowed to book urban music in these rooms. So I'm looked at mm, as yeah. like a, I don't want to say a gatekeeper, but like, you know, someone that's opinions highly valued in the space. And when you start talking about that, I was like, you know, I was talking to somebody the other day and um, I was like, hey, you know, I had ran into Yellow Beezy backstage at a show. Nice. <laughs> and it wasn't a pleasant experience because they weren't letting him park there. I'm not going to say the venue on camera. Right? <laughs> say it. <laughs> uh, but, uh, but it's a deep element, right? <laughs> and they weren't letting him park. And he was like, why is it that every time I go to this venue, they always give me a hard time but they don't give me a hard time anywhere else I go. And it could be any other venue in Dallas. It's always this venue. Do you work here? I said, I don't work here, but I, I work here. Like, you know, I'm one of the few people that does work here yeah. as a promoter. Yeah. And I said, man, you already know what it is. He's like, what, the beef? You think it's the beef? Like, that, 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 <laughs> I was like, bro, it has nothing to do with the beef, bro. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, 
bro, they're white. Yeah. yeah. Like, you know, that was my way of saying, like, <laughs> it's a race thing, bro. Damn. And I, I'm, I'm just, I speak the language enough yeah. to where I'm trusted mm. as a minority to be able to connect with the other side, the, the, the urban side, whatever that may look like. Mm-hmm. And I'm also whitewashed enough, I guess. No <laughs> <laughs> wonder why you call smooth <laughs> yeah. that you're the great middleman. Yeah, hey, like, I just, but I mean, yeah. it's just a matter of knowing how to like communicate because exactly, you know what I'm saying? Like, it, it shouldn't be that way. I mean, it shouldn't be that way in 2022, but you'll be surprised how many venues still look at hip hop. Exactly. Specifically, like it's the 80s, NWA fucking yeah. movies, and there's about to be a riot. You know what I mean? Like, but at the end of the day, you're paving the way for, for, for people who next generations that are going to try to follow your steps, you know, and then now they see what you've done and, and they grow from it. Cause at the end of the day, I mean, I'm pretty sure you wish I don't to, think so, for somebody to above you. I don't think so, Caesar. What do you mean? But yeah. I think no. he's been, he's been very successful with the show oh, sure, that he's sure. done. So naturally, you know, as much as they hate it, they like getting paid but, too. But you're missing the point though. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. He, man, I, I, I can relate because being uh, in corporate um, America, as a young individual, shit, doesn't matter what color you are. If you're young and you're in corporate, you got lots to prove. But then whenever you're doing so much better than the fucking 50-year-old that's been there for 20, 30 years, damn, who's that motherfucker, right? So that's how I feel like a lot of folks seeing you where like, you know what? This guy does it. This guy gets it done. This guy can able can accomplish so much. That's why we won't even touch him. You know what? Both of you guys make points. I think to his point, you know, yeah, there's... Uh, there are people that are older that have felt threatened by my presence because Shit, for real. they're like, oh, crap. The old farts. Exactly. Like, the this, old farts. this guy seems to be, well, you know, I used to say, hey, man, I'm a lot more, I'm contemporary, which is more current. You know, that doesn't mean like. Contemporary. That doesn't mean that I'm like the, the you know, I don't know everything. I would call it relevant. <laughs> well, I mean, you can say that up to a certain extent, but like, I don't know the new music like that. Like mm. some of the new artists that are coming in, I'm not as in tune with them guys, but mm-hmm. I understand marketing and promotion. Mm-hmm. And I yeah. also understand how to move my people. Mm-hmm. And, you know, specifically the Hispanic audience, right? But I think when you also look at it, the idea of me being kind of the first of my kind, there's a lot of truth to mm-hmm. that. Like, for sure. I don't want to toot my own horn, but toot, toot. I just wasn't like, there was nobody like me before me in regards to like. Mm. I don't what, think there's going to be anyone else like you. That's the thing. I mean, I don't, I can't say that. I mean, you know, I would like to believe that I'm going to leave that's, it. that's why you become an influencer and quote unquote, Open you know, the doors for and not the influencers, these fake influencers that don't yeah. really influence anything, <laughs> yeah. but like a real influencer who inspires the next generation. Like, look, he did it. Why can't I do it? You know, it is, it's, it's easier to spark somebody. We're older, so we might not get it, but a younger kid mm-hmm. that sees him as like, oh, he's Hispanic. He can mm-hmm. do this. All right, let me try to do that or follow that footsteps. Yeah, because you don't want to put a ceiling on anything. But I will say that through my work and my body Mm -hmm. of work and what I've been able to do, I will say that there's 100%, 1,000% of a chance that I've already done that Mm -hmm. and I've already influenced people to start doing their own events, whether it be because they were inspired by me or they were mad that I didn't book them and they wanted to start their own thing and compete against me. <laughs> they said, fuck you. You know what I'm saying? Like, but I, they, they saw me as a as a blueprint of mm-hmm. someone that yeah. was like, hey, that guy didn't complain. He just went out and made his own land. And, and which, that's key right there, influencing anybody around you. If you're not influencing someone for whatever the hell you're doing, what are you doing talking to that individual? Well, I mean, there's a bigger purpose in all of this, mm-hmm. right? The bigger yeah. purpose is to like leave a legacy behind. Oh, right? for sure. You know, of course, I have kids. Of course, I want mm-hmm. my kids to be proud of me, but at the same time, growing up, 
I didn't want to do anything else. I was too short to play basketball. I was <laughs> not athletic enough to play football. I felt like, you know what I'm saying? I sucked at baseball for the most part. Yeah. So like when I when I really became passionate about music, I was like, this is all I want to do. And so I, I set my mind at it and I never, never tried to do anything else. For sure, man. Would you ever inspire to have your kids follow those same footsteps or like that company that you're building is, is mm. it falls down to your kids and they take care of it? As, That's a great as, question. As much as they see it, like as much as you see it valuable, to them be as valuable as it is to you. I mean, I would love for them to take a, a, like common interest, right? But I think that's something that they have to make the decision of. Yeah. Because yeah. As of right now, like I'm not cool. To them, I'm not cool. I'm just dad, right? <laughs> yeah. You know, like I, of course I'll do cool stuff for them every so often, right? You know, being that my son's a wrestling fan and mm -hmm. I have relationships with some of the guys in WWE, mm -hmm. he's benefited immensely. Like to the point where it's like, dude, like you need to chill out. Like you're getting front row yeah. tickets to everything all the time. And yeah. you know, like he's bugging me about going to an event next month. I'm like, bro, like you've already used like all our favors, but but <laughs> real, you know right. what I'm saying? But him actually in yeah. eventually inheriting the company, I think that's gonna have to come with with time. You know what I mean? Cause right now they don't have that interest. Yeah. And I would love if all else to show them like, mm -hmm. okay, maybe you don't take over the company. But let me at least teach you about entrepreneurship so you at least know how to make your own money. So then yeah. let me ask you this. Have you ever met someone that kind of um, reminded you of yourself in any way? No. That's... Never. That's, like, I've been, I'm saying. It's very, like, rare where I'll meet people that they'll have, like, maybe one trait that mm -hmm. I have. Like, man, that guy kind of reminds me of a younger me. Like, the <laughs> artist I'm, that I manage, there's bits and pieces that remind me of myself and mm -hmm. her. But to the degree of what I do, I've... No, there's absolutely no way. Yeah. I don't. I don't know that I even can register all the that. I actually do. And that's a, that's the thing I say about why. Why I was asking you about why you, if you wanted your kids to follow your footsteps or inherit your company, is because a, a lot of we, we say, well, yeah, <laughs> that. But we say a lot of these, uh, like, it's it's monopolized by by white people. But it, then again, they they know how to pass their companies to their kids, you know. Yeah. And their kids take as much care of it as they did, you know. Mm -hmm. So it, it, for some reason, I feel like you're pretty, pretty much going to be the first of your generation to do it. hundred percent. If it doesn't start with you, then who's going to who's going to start with you? Know? Yeah. And that's yeah. what we have to do. Uh, that's yeah. what we're trying to. Exactly. Also do, and it's you know? a good way of how you put it in the way of you're not forcing it on your kids mm -hmm. because sometimes whenever you force things on people, they're just man, I they're going to kick it. I mean, I've done that playing around with them. Like I'll fuck yeah. with them, and I'm like, hey. You know, I walked into my daughter's room recently and yeah. I, I, I had a premiere live hoodie and I'm like, here, it's time for you to take over the family business. <laughs> 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 she's like, get out of here, you're goofy, right? Like, But it's just like, you know, it's not what she wants right now. Yeah, right now I've yeah. told her like, hey, you know, I want you to get to a point where when you're 15 or 16, maybe you're not quote unquote a concert promoter, but at very least, hey, you're throwing a, a party, you know, mm -hmm. a high school party and you're charging people at the door and we'll secure talent and we'll turn it into a concert and guess what? You make all that money and there's your car for the year. The next Mighty Cyrus. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, I want them to at least know and be aware that they don't have to work for somebody if they don't want to. I think that's just a dad in you. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, mean, yeah, I, I, sure. I would love to see them, you know, maybe not be their own bosses because, you know, mm -hmm. as they develop their own personality traits, they, you know, like I said, it's just going to take time. But that's a blessing they have too mm -hmm. that they, they don't even know because who wouldn't want a dad to show them their entrepreneurial so, side? Like that stuff that they're not going to teach us at school whatsoever, yeah. you know? So who wouldn't want that? And obviously they don't know that what they have, the blessing they have. But it is something that we definitely as, as Hispanics should change. Uh, because 
if we don't change that, then I, I don't think we're ever going to evolve, um, which was also what I was going to ask you, um, because obviously you're a lot into the music scene with Hispanics. Mm -hmm. uh, but why do you think, like, especially in hip hop, uh, like that barrier of Hispanics becoming like that A-list rappers, you know, the has never bunnies. been broken. That has Shit, never been broken. I mean, you know what I mean? Especially in the English, in the English what side. What we're talking I'm about, talking about, yeah. English side. Bad Bunny is completely disappeared yeah, Bad Bunny from this conversation. Is the, you're, you're just saying, like, <laughs> yeah, I'm yeah. talking about hip-hop. Yeah, because um, he, 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 obviously he's the number one streaming artist in the mm -hmm. last two years. And yeah, yeah. This year, last year. Hip-hop? Yeah, but I'm talking about hip-hop. He's talking specifically, like, you know, when you think of, like, hip-hop, you think Kendrick Lamar, you think J. Cole, yeah. you think Drake. You mm -hmm. don't think, you know, That's... Juan Sanchez or whatever. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Jose. Jose del Barrio. You know what I'm saying? What do you think are the, who are the biggest names on, well, in, in Hispanics we'll that are, like, really making it out there like that? I think we'll stop first and say why. Why? Why? I think that the bar has always been relatively low. And I think that from a skill set standpoint, you know, you I've met tons of artists over the years. And I've heard of tons of artists over the years. And there's a lot of artists that are skilled enough, definitely. But when you talk about some of the mainstream artists that have made it on the Hispanic side, like it hasn't always been like a high bar. You know what I mean? So when we even look at like the success that SPM had, you know, yeah. damn for real. It still continues to have up to this day, which is very weird to me because he's been gone for about 20 years. It's but crazy. He's still like streaming at an extremely high volume. Yeah. I think his impact to me is as much as to Hispanics, is as much as Tupac it was for, for black culture. No, and, and I, I don't disagree with you, you know, and this is the reason why, like, people ask me the SPM argument, like, why was SPM like as big as he was? Because, you know, I've been to California and people in California, you know, they're not they're not from here. So they'll ask the question. I'm like, well, let me simplify this for you. You know, he was first and foremost the right artist at the right time. Let's 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 start there. Yeah. Because there wasn't a lot of people prior to him here in Texas. Mind you, Texas is one of the biggest, you know, demographics mm -hmm. in the world. You know, yeah. Houston and Dallas being two of the top six in the United States. So Let's start there, first and foremost. <laughs> so from a numbers game, it's already built in. Yep. But then you go and you look at the way he branded himself. Like it was SPM, South Park Mexican. I think him integrating the name Mexican into his name played a big part in people connecting and it resonating with people because we want to be represented and yep. we want to be able to identify with somebody. And it has to be easy to digest. A lot of times it's not easy to digest. But then you go in and then and then you go a step further and you go into the actual music. And when we actually dig into the music, in my opinion, his music was just just technically advanced enough for people to be like, oh, he's above the bar. He's above the average. He's he's you know, he's lyrical. Yeah. To the to the people that were accustomed to hearing people that weren't lyrical, but he was dumbed down enough for people to enjoy what he did. So he mm. was very easy to digest and i think that's mm -hmm. the reason why you don't always see a lot of you know mexican-american artists connect to that degree because you either have one or the other you either have an artist that's extremely skilled that's trying to show the, the lyrical miracle super acrobatic you know like yeah, let me show whole... you all the verbal whatever you know mm. philosophy apostrophes whatever <laughs> and it's not easy for the average you know mexican-american yeah. to digest not to say that there's a one size fits all Mexican, but, right. but you know what I mean? 
this is the audience that we've traditionally come to know, right? Yeah. And then you have the artists that are just not good enough. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. So it's one or the other, right? And I think that's where um, you 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 got to find the balance. But I mean, I think that answers that question right there. You know, yeah, as and, far as why we haven't. And I don't know if maybe, uh, I don't know if I have, it's not an idea, but it's kind of like a conspiracy of like, you know, how they, they create like, um, like they say, low Nas X is like a, a industry baby. Industry baby, you know. Yeah. I, I don't think there's been an industry baby created by his, uh, like some somebody industry his plant, plant, no? An industry plant, yeah, industry a baby, plant. Isn't that <laughs> the I mean, that's the baby. I mean, we've, <laughs> we've seen. And over here repeating it, yeah, industry plant. I mean, in the last you don't think there, there's been one. No, I wouldn't say that. But over the last ten years, we have seen like an influx of you know Mexican American artists get signed. Obviously, like Cap G, someone that I work with, Cap, you know. He was signed to Atlantic Records, signed pretty early on. Cap, you know, obviously went platinum, had a platinum single, had success. One can argue whether or not, you know, he's where he was at a few years ago. It doesn't matter. You know, we we saw in real time this guy that could have success, and he was Mexican. Now, again, you know, going back to the argument of, like, the music, right? He was trap rap, so people were like, oh, he's not Mexican enough, or he's trying to be black, and... Yeah, he it was, was like, a, you're like falling between a line where it's like it's a thin line. You're not black, uh, but and then the Hispanics is like he's not Mexican enough to. Well, I mean, you've you know. seen the George Lopez special, right? When yeah. somebody's doing good, you know, he's like, you know, whenever I'm like I'm doing good, they're like, oh, you think you're badass, huh? Yeah. <laughs> right? Like, like it's very hard to like be yeah. accepted by all. You know, when Oscar De La Hoya was having the success of his career, he wasn't Chavez, right? You know, like everybody gets compared. It's like you, you're you not Mexican enough or because you're too American. And, and mm. then to the Americans, we're not Mexican enough. It's a real, real weird game to play. Yeah. And I think Hispanics have always been that way, you know? And yeah. Like we're just real like. That, that of mind. <laughs> like it's real prideful because even like in California, like they, they really look at Texas like we're like we're not, you know, we're not. Hispanic. Not, <laughs> yeah. Like, like, whatever, bro. But honestly, I think it's changing, especially that mentality of like not supporting. Yeah. I, I I honestly feel like it's changing, and it's changing with this new generation where we're a lot more supportive to make for to Mexican artists or anybody that's going like that. Um, I think we were talking about behind the scenes or before the podcast started. Uh, like you say, very skillful, and and when when you've seen a lot of skillful artists, the first time I saw Snow the product, mm -hmm. where we're mentioning that you've been on her for quite quite a few times. Yeah, I, I barely. Met her through it was a Bisa Rap. I don't know if you ever seen yeah. if you seen her mm -hmm. video or with Bisa Rap. And like, because I've I've seen his videos for a, for a while now. And when I ran into her video, I was like, bro, yo, who is this chick? Like, what yeah. the fuck? She's crazy. Like, she's going. She was going off in that video. And I was like, how does she not get so many? Like, why is she not like a A list or like a top tier rapper? You know, she's she should be because she has a skill to be. Mm -hmm. You and, know what? And, I, I, I think... mean, that music video got a lot of views. I, I, well, I'll say this, like, you know, you might as well hit record because this is going to be the soundbite right here. But <laughs> like, uh, I'm very, it's a little biased whenever people ask me about another product because the truth is, is that I have known her since 2008, despite Dang. our differences, you know, 14 years I've known her oh. and I've seen her grow, you know, like I knew her whenever she lived in a one bedroom apartment in Fort Worth Damn. to where she's at now. And to be honest with you, like it's, you know, like we talked about, you know, why haven't Mexican artists made it in hip hop or like, you know, A-lister. But one can argue already, like, per her success, 
Like I feel she's made it, and I feel that it's no, very, yeah, honestly, and, yeah. And I feel like it's very hard to dispute it now, where you look at the the track record, right? Because it's very, you know, I could be straightforward here, right? Like I think you know we talk about the skill level of other artists, and with her, like she exemplifies. She checks all the boxes. Checks all the boxes. Word flow, everything. Changing from English to Spanish. I'm like, bro, that's. I haven't seen an artist do that ever. You know, like changing the like. I maybe I've seen it, but like, I mean, like just changing the lang- yeah. languages, like from Spanish to English, as smooth as she does. Well, and, no and I don't even want to like limit it because I think a lot of times we we make it like she's the best woman, but not you, even yeah. Like you might make the argument now when when we're talking current day in regards to. Mexican hip hop artist, artist possibly yeah. ever, you know that she's she's on pace to be that and do that. And I'll go a step further, right? Because you could talk music, you could talk about culture impact, but then we're talking box office versus box office, right? As a independent Mexican woman, right? Let, yeah. let, let's let's throw all that out there. <laughs> I'm a promoter. Mm-hmm. I know what artists sell. I know how many tickets they sell. She's selling more tickets than a lot of artists. Not a little bit of artists, a lot of artists. And we're not talking Mexican artists. Exactly. Now. We're talking about all genres. We're talking about all races. We're talking about artists that people deem to be hot. Exactly. In certain markets, like in, in a lot, let me rephrase that because I don't want to limit it. <laughs> a lot of markets, she's doing 2,000, mm-hmm. 3,000 tickets. You know, I know here she sold out House of Blues. Damn. But here's the kicker. She's been doing this now independently for a, a long period of time. And she's been touring at least 10 years. She started 10 years ago, maybe in four or 500 cap rooms. Now she's selling out that degree. There's not, not only within the culture, right? Which it goes without saying, right? But when you talk about other women artists, there's not women artists that are selling as many tickets as her. <laughs> Ain't no way. So credit where credit is due, like that's unprecedented and unheard of. Yeah. And she deserves her flowers for that. I think the only counter argument to, to, I guess what people would say is that they want more from her. I know I, as a fan, as someone that has known her, oh, did I just call myself a fan? <laughs> like like hey. as someone that wants more from her, I think because I've known yeah. her story. I think she could, can give more and maybe she will give more. And I think when she's able to start unpeeling some of those layers yeah. and starts giving us more on a, on a, on a deep level, she will be the female Tupac. Damn. For our culture, especially, you know? Nah, for sure, man. Cause and she I, might I, already be. She might, yeah, my, she might already be because uh, I became a fan from that video. And after that, I'm like, I got to follow this shit because she's Hispanic. And if there's somebody that's going to make it, we're going to follow her, especially as Hispanics. There's no way we can't support without our following, you know, our, our checking up on the music they drop and stuff, you know. That's that's the best way we could do it. And when you right. talk about like hard- And promote it, yeah. Well, you know, you think about it too, like, you know, there's a lot of hardships that go into being, mm-hmm. you know, Mexican, like I mentioned to you guys, but being a right. woman on top of that, <laughs> yeah. you know what I'm saying? And and all the other obstacles that she may endure. And, and I'm saying that from a place where we haven't always gotten along, you yeah. know what I mean? But I got to recognize what it is and, and that's the truth. Exactly. And, and you hit that point where like- if you look into Mexican American, just that sentence first. Yeah, yeah, Mexican, just Hispanic American. Well, we're talking about a specific one though, right now, and us including. So, 
Mexican American. We're first Mexican, but we're always going to be American no matter what. Just like how we said that the most talented rappers, they're probably the ones that are, you know, not spitting so crazy. We know you're talented, bro. Chill a little bit, right? And then we're, we're, we want that artist that's talented. But then he, if he doesn't have any talent, why are we even listening to you? So we got to have a good mix of, you know, we got to have that Mexican first thread a little bit there, but never forget that you're American too. Yeah, I mean, a look, good balance has to be I'll done. I'll say this, like, you know, King Little G is one of the artists over the last 10 years that I've had, that's had a lot of success as a Mexican-American artist. You know, him being from LA, the truth is he looks like a cholo. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, but, yeah. but he's talented, he's skilled, he gets a lot of support. And I feel like the Americans may not embrace him as much because mm. he looks like a cholo. Right. You know what I'm saying? But, you know, he's had success. In exactly. He, he could still do really well on shows because he has us. Exactly. You know I mean? so. That's what I'm saying, bro. We got to embrace that Mexican first because you're going to look dumb if you don't. Imagine well, I think it's the sound, too, because when you think about it, like, the sound of Mexican hip-hop or Hispanic hip-hop is way different from black hip-hop. Exactly. And you can tell the difference even without even looking at a music video, without like, even looking at the person that's doing the music video or singing or rapping sorry um you can tell the difference between black and, and mm -hmm. hispanic uh, hip-hop you want to know and i think the baby that oh, i don't know like the baby's one of the and then out cache all, all those rappers that are coming up from houston and stuff that are hispanic honestly they if you hear if you hear them on the on the on the like random yeah. song somebody's playing you don't you can't tell if they're hispanic or, or <laughs> black or anything or that mexican ot no i agree with you you know yeah. and i think that look this is a perspective that I give, I've given for a long time. Me and my friend you know, had this conversation over 10 years. And it's a harsh reality. Mm -hmm. But when we're talking about hip-hop, I've always said this, and I've probably said this in like <laughs> five or six interviews now, that the way people look at Mexicans doing hip-hop is the way that Mexicans look at people calling, talk about authentic Mexican yeah. You know what I'm saying? Mm. We just know it's not authentic. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like you could like to, you know, like the white people, like, oh, let's go get some Taco Bell. We need some Mexican food. <laughs> but that bitch, that ain't Mexican. <laughs> and I feel that the way that's the way a lot of people look at people that do hip hop. Yeah. When it's we're we're kind of looked at as the guests and the outsiders, and you know, to a certain yeah. extent, rightfully so. But you know, we have a place, and I think there's a lot of emulation and a lot of mimicking. And sometimes when you hear guys like you know, I wouldn't say D-Baby and that Mexican OT per se, but artists that kind of sound more urban, you know what I'm saying? Like, sometimes it can come off like, hey, bro, like, you know, and whether I agree or disagree with the perspective, right, you're trying to sound like another artist. You're trying to Facts. sound that way. Like, I don't feel that you naturally talk that way. You know what I mean? Like, uh, but, you know, it's a culture thing. And that's also like, for real, I've been on Clubhouse. I've been in all these debates where you'll see like, the, the the California versus Texas debate. Yeah. And a lot of the California people, they because you know, they're real fucking SA Cholo straight, you know, LA yeah. culture. <laughs> you know, LA culture rap, right? Yeah. And Texas isn't like that. You know, Houston has a real, real like It's established. It's not even established. It has that kind of that 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 hood feel to it, right? Like yeah. you got these guys like they're trap rappers. Mm. Yep. Yeah. And I think that's a big thing that the the wave of trap music kind of makes us sound the same, you know? Yeah. And, and I don't think, I don't know if you uh, have been, have people, have you heard people say this, that like we're maybe culture watching, like for, uh, from the Hispanic side? You know, I and, wouldn't say that I've ever heard that, but I could still understand the perspective, you know what I mean? It's like, whoa, hold on. I just heard this little baby. Oh, I just heard this, the baby. I just <laughs> heard this, uh, you know what I'm saying? 
Lil' Keem. Young, young Dolph <laughs> or whatever, right? And yeah. Next thing you know, everybody that's coming in, Kevin Gates, everybody sounds like them. Yep. And it's like it it, it could be perceived as that, but I don't I don't think I've ever really heard that. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's a problem. I'm talking though. about more like in and like not not black black on black artists, but I'm talking about Hispanics trying to sound that way. Cause you, you mentioned like how Cap G uh was on that on that trap, on that Atlanta trap music. And you know, they were they kind of came at him or like they were telling him that he sounds too much like uh like anybody yeah, it's from fucked Atlanta. Up, you know? Man. You know, and it's so, so fucked it's like, up because I've got a chance to know him and like I know like I've seen him talk to his mom, like Trust me, he's very fucking Mexican. You know what I'm saying? Uh, but we grew up again. We grew up with like he grew up with all his his, yeah, his African American friends. So yeah. it's like it's not really culture fortune when you grow up in that environment. You know, it's you're you're right. pretty much brothers at the and, same time. And back to your point of like how you talked about Clubhouse and the debates of Cali and Texas. I feel like with Cali, they're really segregated in the sense of like the Mexicans stick with the Mexicans. You know, black yeah. stick with the blacks. And then they come here to Texas and they see like we all kind of get along. Yeah. And then yep. it kind of shocks it kind of shocks them to that sense of like, wait, I thought you were just doing this because you, you want to sound like this. Okay, you actually live with and you know yeah. interact and you know grow up with these people and stuff like that. It's like, but these this is my friends, the homies. <laughs> like, it's the never ending debate of the N word, right? Like, you yeah. Know, obviously, there's people that get offended by that word as they should, because I would feel some type of way of. All of a sudden, the wet, the word wetback was like a common use term, right? Mm. But it's a sensitive word to people. But yeah. growing up where I grew up from, like, I didn't look at that word in any other. I didn't look at it with a negative light. Exactly. That was a term of endearment. You were my, you know what? You know what I'm saying? My like, brother. That was, that, that yeah. was the way we worded mm-hmm. it. And yeah. in Texas, that's what it means to us. But Exactly. You go somewhere else. You go to California, Cali. man. I see people talking about it on there all the time. Like, yo, man, why y'all using the N-word, man? Yeah. Y'all Mexicans. Y'all, mm. y'all are disgrace. I'm like, what are you talking about? That's, what, that's how we talk down here. That's our culture. Now, whether or not it's right or it's wrong, like, hey, you that's know what? Diff- that's up for debate. That's, that's perspective-based mm-hmm. at that point. But I can say... I've never viewed that term in a way to degrade somebody. Degrade. I, I've always used that word as a way to be like, yo. Never degradatory. Yep. That's my dog. Exactly. You know what I'm yeah. saying? <laughs> and, and when you think about it, when when you say that, and that's why I'm saying the differences between Hispanic, like listen to a Hispanic hip hop music and, and African-American mm-hmm. hip hop music. It's different, like kind of like in Cali, but in over here in Texas, the baby sounded the same as another any African-American artist from Houston because, because <laughs> the they're mixed again they're like it's we grew up with each other you know so yeah. it's like that automatically is gonna make our hip or music or the way we love something is the same you know but yeah. you know what though I feel like it's time you know Smith Vega I feel like it's time for Texas to take the lead and we're like oh go, go to Hollywood go to Cali nah come to Texas join our culture I feel like there is a there is a surge of exactly. Mexican rappers coming out of Texas exactly yeah from, for sure and they're having success. I mean, the, yeah. you know, it's all based on what you d- deem success, right? Mm-hmm. You know, some of these guys are, you know, deeming on, you know, social media likes and views and, mm-hmm. you know, how many followers they have. Uh, and that's a vanity. That's a vanity metric, right? But at the end of the day, like, you know, we'll see as years progress where they stand in all of this. Because when we're talking about, you know, the way that it's evolved from like SPM to like uh, D-Baby, yeah. you know, a lot has changed, but... There's still loyalists that still love that traditional, like, dumbed down, like, it's very easy to digest mm-hmm. Mexican hip-hop. Exactly. You know, and there's always going to be a market for and, that. And then not even in the music industry, too. You look now in the movie industry, uh, 
Now the the with the new movie, the Avengers movie, fuck Black Panther. Yeah, with the oh, yeah. first no, Mexican, yeah. uh, or like pretty much actor to headline a, a Marvel movie. You know, yeah, that was dope. It, it's it's dope. It's seeing something that you've never seen before. You know, like watching the movie, I was like, bro, this is crazy. Like I was so inspired by watching a Mexican, like somebody looking like you, yeah, actually being in, in a movie theater and having those superpowers. You know, and I never really got it whenever Black Panther came out. When when uh, African Americans were making it a big deal yeah. about it, about how they finally feel represented in yeah. the big screen, you know, and it's like I finally saw it, I finally felt it, where it's like, oh shit, somebody is out proud. there that's exactly like <laughs> no, me, you know. I mean, you know what? And I've I've been like I try to always, you know, support whenever I see those opportunities because, you know, it was cool to see that, but it's yeah. also been there's been instances, you know, where you see us on TV, you know, at, during the pandemic. Mm-hmm. On my block on Netflix was like the the number one stream show for a while, and you know that's that was predominantly Hispanic. Exactly, cast, you know what I'm saying. Yeah. And you know you also have um, other movies that have hit the screens. Like I think Low right. Rider, Low Rider, it was like a a limited release, and like I I went to go watch it. Like you know I wanted to see it because it was us on the screen. Exactly. You know? But you know I think as time progresses, people aren't aren't they're people within business know the numbers they see what's happening they yeah, see the buying exactly and that's why support is crazy they, they see the buying power you exactly know what I mean? like, you know yeah money talks at the end of the day and that's I mean, what we, i mean we just go to fucking uh like as simple as explanation as there is the uh, world cup mexico is always one of the top three four countries to have the most fans in whatever country where they're regardless it. it's always the fans there and that's why mexican bro and that's not even I don't even think that number is right because they also they don't count the amount of Mexicans that come from that go from the U.S. to whatever country. Because mm-hmm. technically, it should be like fifty percent of the ones that come out of the U.S. are Mexican too. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, and I don't want to. I don't want to like, you know, what I'm about to say. I don't want to make it like a race war thing, but like it's not. But you know, Earl Spence Jr. is from Dallas, or he's from DeSoto. Mm-hmm. He yeah. fights at AT and T Stadium. He fights Mikey Garcia. Does forty thousand people. Right or yeah. thirty eight thousand. He then comes back around and he fights Danny Garcia, who's a Puerto Rican fighter. Does less than that, right? Mm-hmm. But still does a healthy number at AT and T Stadium. Yeah. Canelo Alvarez, who's not from Dallas, Texas or DeSoto, Texas, comes in and does the record attendance seventy five thousand tickets. <laughs> and he's not, and he doesn't even speak English. Yep. You know what I'm saying, or not proper English. <laughs> so you know, it, this has been the 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 never ending, never ending. You know, when we, you know, I used to I'm because big, we spend the money, bro. I'm a big boxing fan, yeah. and I said, man, let's dissect Floyd Mayweather, who claims to be the pay per view king of all time. Let's dissect his numbers. How many times has he sold over a million without a Latin fighter that he's fighting? I go, I'll tell you, the only fighters that he's fought that did over a mil was Shane Mosley, right? That was a good fight, by the way. Yeah. Uh, then he fought uh, Manny. Manny, Manny Pacquiao, who, you know, one can argue he was adopted by the Mexican fight fans because he fought nothing but Mexicans coming up <laughs> yeah. with Morales, Mor- Pereira, and, 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 you know, Marquez, right? Marquez, yeah. for real. And so, you know, a lot of people really, and, you know, he was adopted by the fight fans. And then Conor McGregor, you know what I'm saying? Those are the only people he's ever been able to fight. And Conor McGregor was a, like, that was like a, that's just a, a mix of both fans. Yeah, it was making. a spectacle. It was a sideshow. So really, like, he's only really done it with Pacquiao and Mosley. Mm-hmm. Like, everybody else, Miguel Cotto, Oscar de la Hoya, Canelo Alvarez, those are all guys that padded these numbers to make him be this pay-per-view king. Exactly. 
you know, and you say that it's not a race war because we look at him as still the GOAT. You know what I mean? And I you don't. Oh, I, I don't see him. I, I see him. As, <laughs> you're, not, you're a casual. Well, though. at the end of the day, the point is, is that I don't he's see. Great, I, he's I, great. I, exactly. I don't see it as, oh, we made you. You know what I mean? It's mm -hmm. not a race no, thing at no, all. But, mm -hmm. he, but he's a businessman and he exactly. recognizes that he needed a, a, a dancing partner that was Mexican that, to be able to sell some of those pay-per-views or that was Latin to be able to sell some of those pay-per-views. That's the truth. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, you know, Oscar De La Hoya was the A-side whenever they fought. Damn, for and, real. you know, Oscar De La Hoya was the, the cash cow. And it's not taking anything away from him. You know, Floyd May was great, but, you know, respect the buying power that we bring to the table as well because yeah. even when Earl fought Mikey, you know, that was a big, big Mexican support system out there. You didn't do those numbers whenever you fought you know, Sean Porter, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's just the reality of the situation, man. Like, I'm, I'm just, cause, it's crazy. Cause I, you know, I try to create perspectives and mm -hmm. I try to let people know what it is. And there was a, a clip that went viral from one of my interviews earlier this year when I interviewed Bun B and, you know, we talked about Mexican Americans and he says, nobody supports like Mexican Americans, dude. It's a known fact. And when Bun B said it, like everybody like took notice and it's like, bro, like, this has, like, been the story of life. Y'all just don't ever keep up. But yeah. as we're starting to become more prominent and, or, you know, we're starting to have more representation across the NBA, you know, across the, you know, whatever, all, all sports spectrums and music and all these other fields. Movies, yeah. Movies. Like, UFC. Yeah. Oh, UFC, yeah. Yeah, dude. I mean, people, like, come on, bro. Like, shit. Yeah. And, and, and honestly... Even like I've been burning my head, but also when because now that we're talking about, I brought up the Marvel. Um, it's not also just in. I, I feel like a lot of people think it's just in America that uh, like classism or racism like between uh, people are always like it's only in the U.S. This happens only in the U.S. Like I was watching an interview with Denok, um, which is the, act, the actor that plays mm. that plays uh, Namor in in the Marvel movie, the Black Panther, and he talks about he's big right now. A lot of people hate him or not, not hate him or dislike him. He's causing a lot of controversy in Mexico because there's a lot of favoritism towards white actors in Mexico, mm. even though 80% of the population is brown, brown, dark brown skin, you know? Yeah. And, and you see that in Mexico happen is like, it makes us, it makes us seem that it's like, it's not just us, you know, it's not just America. It's everywhere in the world it's like that. It's just not put to light as much as it is over here because of social media, how big it is here. Yeah. I mean, over there in Mexico, it's it's big as well. But you know, uh, we just kind of pay attention to a small circle of our of our the, the things we watch, and it's like it puts it into perspective. Like, uh, it's not just here. You know, everywhere it, there's yeah, no, for even sure. within us, within our culture, yeah, yeah, like even within our culture, Mexicans, you never you would never think that as us as as somebody that lives in the U.S. is like, oh, there's racism in Mexico. What the fuck? <laughs> there's, no, there's not for sure. But then you see him, a big artist that now he has the big platform. He can speak on this and it's be like, especially because he's dark skinned. He's not, he doesn't look like the tip, the, the, the white, white race Mexican, you know, that you'd see in a novella. He's right. dark skinned and he looks like somebody that works for like fucking a, construction. Yeah, he on looks the like a fucking of, cousin, right? Yeah, he looks like, he looks <laughs> like my uncle, bro. He looks yeah, like my uncle no, straight facts, up. Like in the, but see, you know, I think all this, you know, like my, uh, my good friend was like, hey man, you know, all these interviews you've been doing with, you know, shedding light on, you know, Mexicans and their buying power. I interviewed DJ Paul 36 Mafia and that clip should be uploaded by the time this goes live. But nice. he, uh, you know, he mentions it as well. You know, he's like, you know, our number one fan base is Mexicans. Like, right. 
you know, our number two streaming country in the world is Mexico. No way. And, That's and, crazy. And as he's like, you're shedding light on our, our buying power and what we bring to, you know, how strong we are as consumers. And I was like, you know, it's, it's my responsibility up to a certain extent to shed light on it because, you know, people on the outside looking in, you know, those, and I've heard other cultures say, you know, Mexicans support each other. And it's like, yeah and no. Right. Because, yeah. you know, we respect authenticity, but we are absolutely extremely loyal to what we believe in. And mm. we, we, we are absolutely going to get behind something if we really, really believe in it, you know? And yeah, I, I genuinely believe that we've seen that with Canelo Alvarez. We've seen that with, you know, Julio Cesar Chavez, you know, like there's, you know, the legacy of Selena, you know, at exactly. this point, you know, like those are things that are made, you know, made possible because we have a very passionate culture, right. a culture that is, that is, you know, built off of love and family and, and really, you know, like we just, that's what it is. Bro. Celebrate. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I don't know how other way to word it. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, don't get me wrong. It's not all picture perfect across the board, but. Our families are big and they're strong and, and we stick together for the most part. Have you ever bought Jeezy over here too as well? Or no? no, I haven't. But one day maybe, you know? <laughs> yeah, because he's another, I forgot, I completely forgot about him. Another Hispanic artist that kind of broke the barrier of like just sticking to uh, like the Mexican hip hop side. It's more yeah. like, more, I guess, more into the African-American hip hop. Well, there's more, you know, there's more guys that are coming up, They're, you know, because I don't want to like take away from some of the other guys, but you know, I think I think the time, you know, is it's approaching, but I also think that you're you're gonna have to have that balance where you're gonna you you have to be able to speak the language yeah. just enough to let mm -hmm. people know like hey I'm Mexican. Motherfucker, I'm Mexican. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like Smooth Vega, when is the next SPN gonna come out? You gotta produce him, you gotta create him already, Smooth Vega. Uh, you know, I don't know that I ever really care to make the next SPM. Right now I have an artist I'm managing by the name of XB Valentine. Nice. Uh, she's Mexican American. She's an LGBT. You know, she's LGBT as far as like a, in terms of representing the community. Exactly. Uh, so I tell her all the time, you're a triple minority. You're a woman. You're 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 gay, and you know you're Mexican. So you have three audiences that you can speak to, yeah. and you just got to take advantage of it and understand the strength that you have within your platform. And you know, working with her has been you know really cool and rewarding to be able to use all the relationships and resources that I've had. And then pay it forward to her, and you know, seeing her have some of the success success that she's had has been really dope. Because I'm navigating her in spaces that like the average quote unquote Mexican artist wouldn't be in. So she's doing records with Bone Thugs in Harmony, and Damn. she's doing records with you know West Side Boogie and with Royce to Five Nine, and you know whoever else. You know what I'm saying like she's opening up for Joyner Lucas. You know, and of course that's an extension of my relationships, but it's also like a testament that I believe in this kid that I feel like, hey, you know what? You could take it far and you could break the mold. You mm -hmm. could be, you could be someone that breaks the mold. But I mean, I think just with everybody that we have out here that are, that's putting in the work, <clears> you know, it'll happen. But yeah, I don't necessarily know that I want to find the next SPM as much as I want to find the first, you know, whoever. First person of something. You know? Yeah. Regardless not, of the genre. Yeah, for sure, man. You know, because, you know, also as a, as a quote unquote music executive and part of my aspirations is, as much as I'm passionate about, you know, being Mexican-American and, you know, representing for our people, I do want to also be respected for my mind, you know, as an entrepreneur, as a businessman. So I don't want to limit it to where, like, hey, you, <laughs> you have to be Mexican. You don't want to be Disney. To yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, I want to be able to say, hey, man, I met, I met a kid that, you know, he's freaking 
He's exactly. Asian, he's Indian, he's white, he's black, he's mm-hmm. whatever. Yeah. Like, you just want to be an executive producer that happens to be Hispanic. Man. Yeah, for well, sure, man. Put it that way, for sure. But I get what you're saying, man. It's about, like I said, being Mexican first, but then you want to be American too. You want to be established. You want to go ahead and grow. And then the fact that you know that you have a voice and a lot of people can, people will resonate, whether you're gay or Mexican or whatever, you know, that's where you want to go ahead. And then that's going to be organic. You ain't even got to do anything. Yeah, I want to find it, the, I want let to it happen. I want to find the talent that's going to, you know, eventually exactly. change the world. Like, I don't care if it's, I don't care what race it is. You know, yeah. if, it, if it's talent and, and I believe in it, I'm going to go, I'm going to go all in. If they happen to be Mexican, even better. Even better. <laughs> that's know? the cookie. That's you know the... what I'm saying? But if not, it's all good, you know? Yeah. What, how, how did you tap in into the, because obviously you've always started with music and stuff. So where, For real. how did you transition into tapping into all the wrestling industry? Because that's a whole different industry. You talking about the wrestling industry? Yeah. Uh, well, you know, growing up, man, I was I was a big fan of the the only thing I've ever been a fan of is you know really for the most part music, passionately, right? Mm-hmm. Of course, I loved basketball and baseball, but like I mentioned to you guys off camera, Shaquille O'Neal was my favorite player, which turned into Penny Hardy, which turned into Kobe Bryant. Once those guys all retired and got out the league, so did I. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. you know, and, and it just so happens Dirk with, with him. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah. And, and Tim Duncan. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, the GOAT. You know, so it's like, um, you know, I'll watch it occasionally, but I was really passionate about, you know, pro boxing, which, you know, I have ties to to, to this day. Um, you know, I have music and then I have pro wrestling. But, like, as far back as my memory can remember, I've watched pro wrestling. And, you know, I know it's not real, right? Everybody will tell you it's not real, but the the storytelling aspect, the storytelling aspect, the theater aspect to what pro wrestling is, is fascinating to me. I've applied a lot of what I've learned from character building of pro wrestling to artistry. And Mm. obviously Vince McMahon in regards to promotion is my, my number one influence in terms of a promoter. He's the greatest promoter of all time. Bar none, he revolutionized pay-per-view. And, you know, I I mean, I can't say enough about how much he influenced me as a young kid just watching his product and eventually getting old enough to understand the brilliance of this man that has been able to build a brand that has been touring globally for the last 30, 40 years and averages, like, an outrageous amount of tickets year-round mm-hmm. on 200 dates. Damn, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's, it's insane, you know? But... I I got into pro wrestling as a fan, and then I was fortunate enough as a promoter to book a few artists that happened mm. to be friends with a pro wrestler in the business by the name of MVP and MVP. Shout out to MVP. Yeah, shout out to MVP, <laughs> MVP man. MVP. You know, MVP <laughs> and me just got cool, and he happened to be a fan of an artist that I booked, and that was his, his great his favorite rapper of all time, which is a rapper by the name of Rakim. And when mm. I booked Brock Kim, I introduced him as like, dude, whatever you need for the rest of your <laughs> life, I got you. You introduced me to the God MC. I said, say less, you know. And then a few months later, I was like, well, hey, WWE's doing a house show in Arlington. Do you mind, like, introducing exactly. my kids just to, like that. you know what I'm saying? And then we just became mm-hmm. friends. I had met R-Truth at a concert that he opened up for because he also does music. Yeah. And then after I met him, we got cool. Uh, but we didn't really know each other. And then just over the years, like, you know, he had a publicist that was working him and the pandemic just kind of got, you know, everybody like, you know, we started connecting with people. Right. Yeah. I kind of, I kind of remember the first, when you mentioned MVP, uh, uh, 
uh, saying that it's not it's not a real, you know, and stuff. I remember when I was little watching MVP. I think it was the WrestleMania match. I don't remember what yeah. match it was where he got burnt uh, from the back. Man, I don't. Even I, remember. I forgot which match it was, but I'm like, damn, my boy got burnt. I, yeah. Like, bro, as soon as you said MVP, it brought to my head that one time that I was yeah. over here, like. Feeling bad for me because he he burned his back or stuff. You know, and he checks on you know he checks on me periodically and he's yeah, man, he's, doing got, great he, he's he's always been the one that gets my son those tickets. You know, he he was you know he blessed us with tickets to WrestleMania this year. So like, just a good guy, you know. And he also has you know his hand in the music. And then recently, I connected with uh, I don't know if you remember a wrestler by the name of Umaga, but he has a Umaga? son. Yeah, we we're just talking about because he's uh. He's from, is he... Uh, so Umaga's part of the Samoan dynasty. Samoan dynasty, right. right? Yeah, okay. But his son, you. his son just started wrestling and his son lives in Houston and me and him mm. have been talking on the phone and uh, just, you know, now I'm like, just cool with him. Like I said, you just meet, you meet people, man. And like... He had that ass to the face <laughs> finisher, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He just yeah, showed up boom. boom. Yep. Yeah, I remember. <laughs> but, you know, I've also interviewed a lot of guys because once yeah. you meet one person, like, it's a fraternity, man. Yes. Pro wrestling is like music, man. Like Community. once you know one person, you more than more than likely it's like everybody done. It's everybody's accessible at that point. Mm-hmm. And if I'm a businessman, mm-hmm. which I've been able to be a businessman, like MVP was able to connect me with Chris Jericho, you know, for my toy drive. Exactly. You know, this and you can bring something me. to the table too. Yeah. Well, and I think just like within, not only within wrestling, but I think in general. I'm probably the most underutilized person in the industry. <laughs> no, I genuinely mean that because I don't mm-hmm. think that a lot of these guys really know what I'm capable of doing. Like, right. you know, when people ask me, like, what do you do? I'm like, uh, well, you know, of course, I'm a, <laughs> I'm a promoter. I can mm-hmm. say I'm a music executive. I can be anything you want. <laughs> no, but, you know, I'm, I, 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 I'm a graphic designer. I'm yeah. a web designer. I, I do brand management. I do social media management. You know, I do artist management. Right. And so, like, these these hats that I wear... Uh, it's not just hats that are where I do mm-hmm. I do it at a high level and I've helped build accounts for a lot of different people from different fields you know not just musicians but athletes and I talent continue, acquisition yeah I, I, yeah I can I continue to like wear those different spaces so like even these guys within resting and you know they might see me some of them might just think I'm an interviewer yeah you know, mm-hmm. you know oh that guy does interviews but like it's like no dude like I do so much more I broker deals I'm an agent I yeah. do this you know, they'll, they'll just got to learn as time goes on. I get you. And when, especially when they meet you and they don't know you, you start having a conversation behind the scenes and then you just start telling them all this the yeah. other stuff that you do. You never exactly. know who they might know or yeah. they want to venture into other Ignorance is bliss. And, you know. I try not to tell people what I do. For sure, yeah. exactly. I who, the, who's the, who's the wrestler that you still haven't gotten to interview that, that you want? That you want to, for well, sure. There's a that lot would of be guys, like a dream come true. Man, there's a lot of people that I, I would love to interview. It goes without saying, like, I think, Pro wrestling is, is you know, it's a, it's a love of mine. So, like, there's a lot of people that would say, man, you know, if I interviewed fucking Hulk Hogan or The Damn. Rock or someone like Rock, Stone Cold, yeah. like, those are things that you can't just, Stone like, Cold, yeah. you can't mm-hmm. just, like, that's, like, as a kid, it'd be it'd be meaningful. But if there was one guy that I would just narrow it down to, like, hey, you could interview any fucking pro wrestler in the world, be The Undertaker. Undertaker. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I would I would do some dope shit with The Undertaker because, I know his story, and he actually went to college. He played basketball at Texas Wesleyan University in Fort Worth. So there's that Fort Worth tie that, you know, hasn't really been. Come back home. I didn't even know that. Yeah, I'm like, hey, man, so you went to school at Texas Wesleyan University in 1987? Exactly. 
You, so what you know about Fort Worth? And we can have a conversation about Fort Just Worth. Just like that. Just imagine everybody in Fort Worth being like, what the fuck? The Undertaker's talking about Lancaster. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? The Undertaker's talking Lancaster. about Lancaster. I, I just found out Kane is a mayor. And, yeah, and, he's a mayor of Knox County over yeah, there. And, uh, Knox fucking, he's in the government. Yeah, yeah, dude. A lot of, a lot of What'd you say? <laughs> a lot didn't get passed. I heard this uh, saying, uh, and it's about wrestling. Uh, I, I can't wait till uh, FanDuel has a sports betting in WWE (laughs) (laughs) that's funny that's hilarious but it's true it's it's entertainment but it's the art about it you know what I mean I mean it's part of it's uh, it's part of Americana at this point you know Mm -hmm. I saw I saw uh, a tweet the other day about uh, it was like a it was part of uh, Howard uh, can you say (laughs) Howard Cosell you know the commentator from the 80s that was the 60s 70s whatever that called all the big boxer matches and mm. he he talked about that in his bio that Vince McMahon had reached out to him in the eighties and offered him a job to be a commentator for the WWF, WWE, whatever, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, Howard Cosell was very arrogant and was like, fuck mm-hmm. no, like I just left boxing, you know, he got fired by CBS by for using a racial slur. I'm not gonna go and call this, you know, this bullshit fake wrestling stuff or whatever. He said, and, and Vince McMahon was like, well, you know, fuck you then. Like, you're completely wrong by turning me down. Pro wrestling is going to be the biggest thing in the world. And you're re- going to regret not taking this job. Like, you're missing out on a huge opportunity. I'm telling you now. Yeah. Pro wrestling is about to be the biggest thing ever. And he wasn't wrong. You know what I'm saying? Like, he wasn't wrong. So yeah. it's just part of society at this point. Like, everybody knows that it's predetermined. It's <laughs> yeah. Nobody right. gives a shit. There's still a hundred thousand people at AT and T. As a diehard fan, then what what did you think of whenever now that the WWE is bringing in like not the usual wrestlers but also artists like, like Bad Logan Bunny. Paul, Bad Bunny? <laughs> but and honestly, I'm I'm gonna give you my take. Honestly, they're bringing people that are actually caring about it. It's not just somebody that is taking it like oh. There- a lot of those like guys were fans, you know. They like, grew up, yeah, yeah. They grew like up Bad Bunny it. was like, you know, like Bad a Bunny. Fan, yeah. Like he has a song called Booker T. Like, yeah, he's a, he's a, oh, even before he even got into the WWE. All his, I remember his bars. There were always some, references. He would to throw it. in some w, like some wrestling references. I was like, oh shit, we always knew he was a wrestling fan. Right, too. and there's a lot of guys like that. I mean, a lot, a lot of guys that uh, in music that like those worlds just talk to each other, mm. you know. And I feel like pro boxing is another one of those worlds that. You know, with within music, people love like big fights. You know, like so those worlds all kind of intertwine. And me being a promoter, like it, it's all obviously all this stuff is ran through my mind. Like, <laughs> you know, one day I want to put together a wrestling event. You know, one day I want to get into like more boxing management slash boxing promotion, which I've been able to dabble a little bit into. But because I've looked at boxing and I'm like, you know, Al Heyman started as a concert promoter. Jay Prince started in the music industry. He's one of the biggest boxing managers in the game. Mm-hmm. Like, this is kind of, I'm already on the mm-hmm. career path to be there and just understanding, like, what works in all of this, you know. But, you know, as far as, like, the pro wrestling stuff and seeing them use influencers and to, like, market their product, I think it's, I mean, it makes sense from a, from a you know, media perspective to get as many eyeballs on the product. That's a, that is... And will always be the end goal for them, right? Is to get as many people talking about it and watching their product, so they could do whatever they're gonna do with it. Now, you know, seeing Bad Bunny perform at WrestleMania, I, I was, I was skeptical at first, but yeah, he performed really well. And Logan Paul, man, 
fucking unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. He's unbelievable. Like he's had three matches. He's he's an athlete. He's a natural. Like people could say what they want about him as a as a YouTuber, as an influencer, or as a person. But when it comes to what he's been able to do as a performer, top notch. And you can't be mad at that. Like you know what I'm saying. So you know the way I look at it is as long as like, and I'm 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 speaking like a really wrestling nerd now. If they're not occupying, you know. A, a slot on a show, you know, taken away from some of the guys that might be in the back that have worked year round to get that slot, right? If, if they're not, if they're not going to perform at a high level, then I have an issue with it. Mm-hmm. But these guys are performing at a high level and they're bringing a lot of attention. Like everybody wins, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Especially the guys that are in the program with them. Like, and that's a big, big thing on the WWE that they hit right on the dot. You know, where it's like uh, they started that way. it. Yeah, bringing those influencers that are genuinely going to bring fans and then also. They're generally into it, you know. They they have they're gonna bring the, that fan base with them, but also they generally care about the the, the world. I mean, for sure. it's, I mean, it's the beginning. It's since the beginning of the time. I mean, I know that it wasn't like that, you know, since day one. But whenever they launched WrestleMania, they had Mr. T, they had Muhammad Ali, right? They had Cindy Lauper. You know what I'm saying? Like, this isn't new. They've always they've always intertwined pop culture <laughs> with their product. But they know? did stop for a while, don't you think? They kind of did because I think, well, it depends on what era. Also, but, then the pandemic didn't help, but, but like, I'm talking about, like, the, because, not that it fell off, but I feel like there was a gray area. Well, I me. think it just got stagnant. I think, yeah. you know, you know when you're the longest running episodic series in, in fucking the history of TV, <laughs> you know, you're going to get stale. And, you know, like, the way I look at it is, in my analogy with pro wrestling, as a lifelong fan, as far back as my memory can remember, I've watched pro wrestling, which starts at about three or four years old, right? Yeah. Damn. So, I, didn't, I don't drink or smoke. So, like, I have no, I have a fucking great memory considering that, like, I just don't, I've never been under the influence of anything, right? So, 89, 90, you know what I'm saying? I, I remember vaguely a lot of the shit. Like, I watched this in real time. So, imagine. Damn, bro, did you see Ray Mysterio get unmasked? Yeah. Damn. So as, I remember as a little kid that broke my heart, bro. As as someone that <laughs> as someone that's grew that that grew through that, there's there's a lot more people yeah. like me, yeah. and it like you got to think about it. As I grew, and then when I got to 13, 14, 15, that's when the attitude era hit. That's when the whole Jerry Springer shit was in, and that's what Stone Cold and The Rock and NWO all that got. So then that hit, and then you know like we basically grew old with the product, yeah. and it, and it matured with us. And then at some point or another, they went PG. And when mm-hmm. they went PG and they started trying to be kid friendly at that again, at that point, I'm 25, 26 years old. Yeah, nobody wants to. Watch so that, I'm yeah. like, well, fuck, I don't want to watch it. So there was a decline at that point because they quit catering to the people that grew with them and try to bring in the younger yeah. audience again. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with that, but I feel like now you're seeing a little bit more of a reconnection because there's no, there's there's an there's money in nostalgia. You know what I'm saying? So, <laughs> Mm-hmm. And we've been talking about wrestling way too long. I go hard when it comes to wrestling, though. Like, I know it. Mm-hmm. I understand it, you know? And I just love it. No, and honestly, that when, when you're talking about how, like, the, those big superstars left, and I think it had to also do a big reason with, like, The Rock, the superstars that they were still were kind of mm-hmm. left to... Do their own thing. To do their own thing, and especially with Hollywood, you know? Yeah. You see John Cena... No but longer. I mean, for, w- for WWE to be able to produce a, a, a superstar... Fuck that! A biggest star, arguably the biggest star in the rock, right. says a lot about wh- how nostalgia. Still. Well, how fucking well oiled that machine truly is. <laughs> well oiled. Like if Austin, if, if Austin yeah. would have wanted to do that, I feel like he would have. 
done the same things that that The Rock did. But I, I honestly, I don't know, I don't, man, The Rock's fucking. He's a charismatic dude. Yeah, but he yeah has the that, charisma. That too. He has yeah. that star appeal, you know, just like yo, you can't deny. Yeah, it. that's like, true. He's a superstar. Also, man. Austin is more like, uh, you know, yeah. like, we we all love him, but I don't. Yeah, now that I see it, now that I think about it, yeah, like, <laughs> like those movies wouldn't have been good <laughs> with Austin. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. He wouldn't have been good as Black Adam, right? Black Adam would have worked out. Yeah. Yeah, we would have to do something else. Yeah, but you know what I mean, though. Like I mm-hmm. feel like that that to me speaks levels and volumes of just how strong you write the eye for talent is, mm-hmm. but also how much they build. Mm-hmm. Are, you know build superstars and you know that's the goal with anything Damn. right like you know the the goal in any field and not just in pro wrestling is to leave it better than you found it right and you know i feel like that's one thing that i've always been able to take from pro wrestling is like hey you know we want to find talent when i look for a talent you know i'm looking for the equivalent to the rock in music i'm looking for the equivalent to stone cold or whoever and sometimes you got to realize like maybe you're not quite ready yet and because, you know, being in music and being in the entertainment industry as a whole, it's demanding. And yeah. like anything else, you have to be extremely obsessed with, you know, wanting to achieve your goals. And I think that obsession with being the best or, or at very least, you know, succeeding, that is what warrants results. Yeah, exactly. And, and what do you think of like the, not to keep piggybacking on the Mexican side, but or <laughs> now that like you grew up watching Chavo Guerrero, Eddie Guerrero. Ray Mysterio, like now the second generation of them, which is uh, Ray Mysterio's son, Dominic, Dominic, he, Dominic, yeah, keeping it going with that with that family. You talk about the Us- the the Usos, the Samoan the Usos, dynasty. The Samoan dynasty, you know, it's they're keeping that dynasty there, you know. Yeah, and it's cool, man. It's great to see it, bro. Honestly, because I mean, Hispanic side in the WWE right now, I think it's it's not that much, is there? Not as much. I mean, you know, you have some of the newer guys. Obviously, like Andrade came along for a while. There was a lot of hope that he was going to be the guy. A few years ago, Alberto uh, Alberto Rio, he was there. Uh, You got Santos Escobar there right now. Obviously, Rey Mysterio. The one that disappointed me was Sin Cara, bro, honestly. Because I thought he was going to do more. Mystico, the one that came from from Mexico. Yeah, from Mexico, yeah. Disappointed Uh, me. Well, they got, I think Santos Escobar, he's up there in age, but I think he, he checks off all the boxes. You know, like he he has the the appeal to be that Mexican uh, superstar that they need, but you know you've had people like Angel Garza, Humberto Carrillo. Like, there's a lot of like lucha libre culture mm-hmm. in WWE because you know lucha libre. Like to me, like it's influenced the style of a lot of the pro wrestlers that you see. Yeah, more so in AEW, more so on the independent side. Like all that flippity, you know. Style more acrobatic style of wrestling that all came from Lucha Libre, you know what I'm saying? Like so, yeah, the high fly. Yeah, and and that's why Ray Mysterio is like the super duper OG, right? right? Because his style of wrestling really influenced the generation of guys, you know. Like, uh, but yeah, I, I agree with you. Like, you know, you haven't seen as much, you know, representation. Put me in coach, that. not playing. <laughs> Bro, what you gonna be? <laughs> No, but it'll come. <laughs> it'll come. It'll now, come. yeah, because honestly, that transition uh, was Sincara, Mystico, all of them. Um, it, it did kind of like fail, but um, you know, like hope, hopefully, Dominic keeps keeps the the dynasty yeah. going. You know. Yeah, I think, I, like I said, and then Santos Escobar over there. Santos like, Escobar, yeah. I think he's he's for me the one that embodies it at its best because a lot of the guys that come over from Mexico or that had a name in Mexico and then eventually come over to the U.S. They don't learn the language that clean and speak it. You know, like that's the thing about Ray. Ray speaks both languages 
perfect. Eddie yeah. Guerrero, perfect. Mm-hmm. Eddie Guerrero was man. I, you, sometimes you go back and, and watch him. He was fucking <laughs> untouchable, bro. Because he his character. I don't think nobody's had his character in the WWE. He's just charismatic, and he and he represented us. Like you know, S.A. Holmes, and like yeah. you know, fucking coming out of the lowrider. Like mm-hmm. like this dude was us on TV. So for sure, man. You know, but it's cool to see like the the next generation of people come in for sure. No, but yeah, man. It was just, honestly great talking to you, man. Is we can keep going on about wrestling, I told you know. You, I told we you. can go hours, you know. How long have we been recording? <laughs> I'm about an hour and thirty minutes. Really? Right, yeah. It didn't even feel like nothing, bro. Because honestly, Damn, the, that's crazy. When we start talking about know, this. Right? We can keep going all oh, day, man, bro. You know, I, appreciate- I mean, it's not gonna be the last time you pull up. So no, nah, man, you're honestly sure. welcome to come anytime. We can, I mean, honestly, we can keep the conversation going all the time. You know, yeah, no, I appreciate so that we you. Can, guys. We have so many topics we can talk about. Um, but yeah, for sure, man. Hopefully, see you soon again. Um, anything that you're want to promote that you want to talk about? You know, man. Recent? Just keep you know. Follow Next me, year, follow me on Instagram. You know, uh, Twitter, Facebook. It's all the same thing. Smooth Vega, Facebook, Smooth Vega eighty five. Um, as you guys know or may not know, I have an annual festival that I started in 2021 called Central Popular. I actually named the festival after my mom's record shop. I grew up in, you know, my mom's independent record shop that she owned from the time that I was born up to about 96, 97. I've stated this story many times, like her being a Mexican independent business owner in the mid 80s into the 90s, having a successful business for over 10 years really was what like planted the seeds for me to be an entrepreneur. Today's actually 13 years since she's passed. So, you know, it's it's, it's, it's really, really, uh, it's really crazy to be talking about it in that sense. But I named my festival, my annual festival after her event. I mean, after her store. And and it's kind of my way of paying homage to her, right? So the first year I I did an all Latin festival and I wanted to kind of bring it back because, you know, I spent so many years doing urban music and just doing, you know, hip hop, straight hip hop. (laughs) Every now and then I work with like a Latin artist, but this was like, I'm going to do an all Latin lineup. And then in 2022, this year, I brought it back uh, for the second annual. I actually did it on her birthday, and I I decided to go a different direction. I booked Three Six Mafia to headline it, hey. and I had Camilla Nair come out of fucking retirement and seclusion, and he came out and performed, which was amazing. We did over, we did right around three thousand people. So hey. I say that to say, in 2023, I intend to. Do it again. Do the third annual of it. Yeah, I am. And this time I'm going to bring it to Dallas. That's amazing. Versus Fort Worth. And um, I have a strong lineup that I'm working on right now. It's not going to be Latin. And and it's just going to be, it's going to be more what I want now. Because the first year I kind of wanted to keep it all Latin. But be looking for that. I would say be looking for that. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. Do you guys know? Do you I have do. a set date already, or you don't have a set uh, date? July twenty ninth mm-hmm. is the, is more than like well, that's the date that's already been penciled to be determined in. by around there. July twenty ninth is what's been penciled in and what's been on hold for the venue. It's what's been communicated to the performers. Uh, but I, you know, I'm excited about continuing that series and then uh, just keep up with me, man. Like <laughs> as a as a as a promoter, I already have shows booked all the way through July twenty ninth, but I have shows that are going to be announced in the next few weeks for yeah. March. February, yeah, all the way in between. So I'm excited about that, and keep up with my YouTube channel, man. Check out some of the interviews. Follow me on TikTok. See some of the stuff that I got going on. Check out XP Valentine and and uh, yeah, I mean, I got an event this upcoming weekend that I'm doing out of out of the city. I'm gonna start doing a little bit more shows in these smaller markets to kind of like gift the smaller markets that don't have those quote unquote big shows, big shows, yeah, and start doing that. So. 
We'll see what happens, man. Yeah, man. Let's for sure. We're, we're for sure. We're Pull up to some events that you have. Oh, for sure. The twenty, the one, the one you're talking about, the the one third annual. Hopefully, it happens the third annual. Yeah, we for, for sure, sure will pull up, man. Uh, anytime we can support, you know, we're gonna be there. Heck yeah. Uh, I Thank mean, you. we we're kind of aligned with up to something too, you know. Yeah, like, man, yeah. We're always guys, talking man. to those guys too, you know. So anytime we have a chance to talk to you, man, or hang out or go to events to you, for sure we'll pull up because we'll we'll, we'll we'll be up to date with you. Anyway. Oh, for sure. No, I appreciate Hell, you yeah. Guys, you know Alright boys, make sure you like, comment, subscribe, and thank you so much, Smith Vega. We out. Peace.